when your kid gets sucked into another dimension in the middle of the night, who are you going to call? Tangina! <laughs> <laughs> this week we ask, is Poltergeist a spooky movie? Welcome back to a special series on our podcast where this month we're in a quest to find movies that give us those spooky fall feels. With such a short amount of spooky month, it's important to decide which movies we should enjoy. So you join us every week this month as we ask a question, but is it a spooky movie? I'm your host, Ish, and with me is my co-host, Nick. That's me. And this week we watch the classic 1982 Poltergeist. Oh my gosh. This movie, it has everything you need. It has the chills. It has the creeps. It has little creepy white girls speaking to a TV. Uh, Nick, what is like your earliest memories with this movie? Um, God. It's... I think the first time I seen it, I must have been like 10. Oh. It was uh, one of those moments where like you walk in mm-hmm. watching it. And it's walking into when the kid is being eaten by the tree and the little girl is being sucked into the closet. So I was like, well, I'm terrified. Oh my gosh, that's the worst part of walk-in, man. That's so scary. I remember my dad paused it because he... Because, like, where the VCR was positioned Uh in the room, he was able to, like, hit it immediately. (laughs) And and he turned and looked and went, do you want to keep watching? (laughs) And I was, like, too afraid to leave. Oh, my <laughs> so God. So I was like, yeah. I watched this movie very young as well. I think it might have been around the same age, like 10, 8. Uh, I watched it by mistake. Uh, I thought this was E.T. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I could not distinguish the differences between Drew Barrymore and this girl. So I was like, where's the alien coming out of? And I remember the... Um, the scene in E.T. where you throw the ball into the shed and then E.T. throws it back out. And I always confuse that scene where this scene where they throw the ball in the closet and it comes out fucking all covered in junk. And I remember even this time watching it, I was just like, doesn't it happen earlier on in the movie where they just throw balls in and it just like comes out and they're like, oh, hey. Yeah. Do you know... I- I I am in shock. So we watched this movie. It's been like almost twenty four hours since we mm-hmm. did our viewing, and I am still shocked on how well this movie has held up. Oh my god, it's 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 insane how well this movie held up, especially after we just watched Ghostbusters a couple of weeks ago, right? And the effects in that one are good, but you could definitely tell that some of it's like eh, it's a little cheesy, it's a little stop motiony. But this one with, like, all the ghouls and creeps that, like, show up in it, amazing. Yeah. At, towards the end of the movie where you start to see some, like, the, the spectral figures. Uh-huh. I'm like, damn, they kick Ghostbusters' ass. Oh, yeah. And this one came out two years before. Yeah. And now, I think the tones, though, are different. That's why. Yeah. Because Ghostbusters feels more like a family movie. Mm-hmm. Or at least, like, lighthearted. Yeah. And Poltergeist is supposed to be scary. So maybe oh, yeah. that's why it feels so different. Okay. I Yeah, I, I can see that. Because Slimer's not scary. No, it's not. But, yeah. like, but also, like, just, like, just the way this the stuff looks in Poltergeist, 
look way better than like the gargoyles. Yeah. Yeah. It's. You know what I really like about um, this movie now that you brought up how like how well this movie aged. Um, all of like the props and scares, like the tree and the clown and stuff. I was like thinking about that. It's like how do they pull that off? Because it does. This movie uses some like like special effects and stuff towards the end, but the clown that looks like an actual prop. So I'm like, how did they get it to like go around the boy's neck and like maybe they did it like they shot it backwards or something. Yeah. Um, or even the tree when it reaches out and grabs him. I haven't seen a lot of like really older eighties or seventies movies where like they use those same effects like as effective as Poltergeist does. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I. It would be nice to watch like the behind the scenes. Definitely. Yeah, man. Um, if I could guess, the tree one seems like it is just kind of maybe they just kind of scooped a dummy up with something okay maybe there's like there's more there than we like Mm -hmm. are seeing because it doesn't linger on that shot very long you know it crashes in grabs a kid boom out the window and it is very rainy yeah it's dark and stuff like that so it definitely covers some stuff up so maybe there's like you know like extra wires or like Mm -hmm. you know like actual hands (laughs) gotcha huh yeah man um are is there any like certain like um effect that like really stood out to you yesterday when we were watching it um when the what's the girl's name dana or diane dana's a teenage girl and what's the mom's name diane um diane Diane, yeah when she is thrown around her Mm -hmm. room and shit like that i was like i was like that was good and i was like wait when did this movie come out? Come like I'm getting Nightmare on Elm Street vibes. Oh yeah. Um, oh man. But then, um, what Nightmare on Elm Street came out after this movie? Yes. So I'm like, they stole. I'm calling it mm-hmm. because unless it's an homage, because Diane is wearing a like jersey like shirt, and so is the girl in Nightmare on Elm Street. You're right. And I'm like. It must be a callback, because if not, they blatantly stole. <laughs> yeah, you know, that reminded me of uh, the scene in Inception, when they're fighting in that hallway, and, like, the hallway is spinning. Yeah. Yeah, man. Which is crazy, because that movie is, like, pretty modern, and, like, Poltergeist is, like, way older, and they were able to, like, achieve that same effect without the room spinning. <laughs> yeah, and they got... um. They got that one part where the hallway elongates on her. Yeah. It feels like she's gone forever. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Um, towards the end of the movie where she is just getting, like, pushed around by the ghosts. Oh, yeah. If It looks good. It feels real. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I think all that is, like, I don't know. Like, that stands out to me. Because, like, it doesn't feel cheap. And, like, this way it's, like, shot. Yeah. It's not constantly in her face. Like, look, she's falling all over the place. It's, like, you get, like, an actual whole scene of her trying to get up just a staircase. Mm-hmm. And you're, like, this is, like, kind of, like, intense. Yeah, man. This movie is one of those movies and that, for me, feels like the epitome of, like, spooky Halloween movies, you know? It doesn't rely on kills. It doesn't rely on, like, gore. Well, it has some gore in it in, like, a very quick scene, but I don't think anyone dies in this movie. I don't think anyone dies in this movie. It's almost like... It is a 
ghost movie. That's it, like basically it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a ghost. It's like a haunted house movie. Um, and one of the best haunted house movies that I think I've ever seen. If I'm being completely honest, it hits all the notes for me, and it's inspired so many movies to come, like The Conjuring. And Insidious, where, like, you have to go into, like, the Insidious realm and, like, track the kid back. Like, that's basically what happens in this movie, except they don't um, linger too much on that part of, like, the movie, you know? It's yeah. almost like the mom goes in, grabs a girl, gets out. And Insidious, like, really takes that concept and stretches it for, like, a third of the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I actually forgot that... They get Carol Ann back mm-hmm. b- before the movie's over. Yes. Like, I actually thought the movie ends at that part. But then I was like, wait, we're missing things. Like, yeah. I was like, wait, when does this happen? So mm-hmm. I think we were talking about that. It's just like the order of events get all fucked up. Yeah. And we were like misplacing, like, when the tree comes in mm-hmm. and shit. But um, yeah, I think it does every beat pretty nicely. Oh, yeah. And unlike last week's choice of It Follows, which I really enjoy, Poltergeist is one of those movies where, is it, to me, it's such a rewatchable movie. And this is the movie where you can just walk in when someone's watching it and, like, pick different scenes. And, like, oh, you're on this scene? I'll stick around for, like, 10, 20 minutes. You're on this scene? Perfect. And it, it has a, a story, right? So there is a story to follow throughout the movie. But you can, like, jump in and jump out whenever you want and still feel satisfied watching this movie in a way. Yes. Um, I was very satisfied. Now, so, I am very weird with, uh, like, the ghost movies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Not in a way where, like, I hate them or anything, but, like, sometimes I feel like, I'm like, I don't really want to watch a ghost movie Mm -hmm. because I, you know... I was part of the group of people was like Paranormal Activity, Conjuring, Insidious. Yeah, uh-huh. They all came out like in almost, not like the same time, but it felt very similar, oh, yeah, close very together. Close. So then being like, oh, we're going to watch a ghost movie. Like Ghostbusters is one thing. Mm-hmm. But then when he said Poltergeist, I was like, I know I like that movie. I haven't seen it in, in a couple of mm-hmm. years. And I was like, yeah, they did it. Like, this is it. You mm-hmm. know, like there's no kills. It's just you know front to back ghost movie done in a pretty nice way my favorite thing is we talked about in it follows the research phase Mm -hmm. the research phase in this one is so good oh yeah because it's not just them going to a library Mm -hmm. they find people who like claim to know what they're doing Mm -hmm. and then they have no idea what they're doing and everyone's experiencing it that's like something I hate about um certain things like how it follows she's trying to explain what's going on and yeah. no, no one believes her because mm-hmm. they don't you know they bring these people outside the house into it and they're like here's what's happening oh, yeah. and it immediately happens like no one looks crazy mm-hmm. like when the mom is like setting the chair up the dad walks in looks like a fucking hot mess yeah and then it immediately happens mm-hmm. I'm so glad they went down that route I hate when like hauntings and stuff make people look crazy or they're lying and stuff yeah like just get on with it you know you know they're going to find out if they find out sooner you could have more of the cast 
experiencing things. Yeah. And it's not just this set piece being tied to one person. Mm-hmm. And you have a group of people. You can have multiple reactions. And I think that's where Poltergeist just explodes in its, like, everything. Like, it's just... Like, everything it's doing just got amplified. It's so much better. Oh, yeah. Dude, all the um, the ghost encounters, right, in this movie, they do it so well and pretty funny sometimes. Uh, the scene where they bring in those paranormal investigators oh, into that the was house. A, that was a funny scene. Yeah, and one of the guys is explaining to his dad, he's like, I saw this fire truck move across the room in a matter of seven hours. I have it on time lapse. Absolutely fascinating. Dad's like, okay. Opens the door. There's just a fucking cyclone of stuff going around. And like, books are like attacking him. And there's like, the record playing with a compass on it. And it's just like, this isn't your seven hour fire truck kid. Like, this is actual like, paranormal shit. Yeah. I like when they're sitting at the table. And the... The coffee percolator just oh, yeah. moves across the table, and the family is so used to these things yeah. that they don't even flinch or move, and everyone's looking under the table yeah. to figure out how they did it and stuff. Like, oh. they're they're trying to find the explanations for it, you know? Yes. Like, how they hear her through the TV. They're like, maybe it's a signal being picked up. Mm-hmm. And the girl, uh, Dr. Lesh, mm-hmm. is like, no. You, this is real. <laughs> yeah, when they're talking right before that, um, like the coffee pot moves, and I think the light switch, the lamp flickers, and she's like, oh, don't worry, it's going to happen two more times. It always comes in pairs. Yeah. It's like, that's funny. It's like, I, I like how they, I don't want to say they move on, but they're so used to it at this point. And they do seem distraught that their daughter is missing. But it definitely seems like the family is still not only distraught, but, like, fascinated by what's happening in the house because they don't know the extent of danger that they're actually in yet. Yeah, because at first when it happens, uh, so, like, the little girl, you know, she hears them in Mm -hmm. the TV and stuff. And then the chairs is when the mom is on board. Yeah. You know? And I think that whole thing, it's not like scary yet it's more interesting yeah uh the mom is like yes it worked it worked and the dad's like immediately like um no we go in the kitchen (laughs) i would move yeah at that moment so there's a lot of things in this world that like watching and experiencing from other people that i'd be like why would anyone stay Mm -hmm. like i don't care about that house that house was really nice i don't care about the house anymore yeah you put a chair it's moving constantly no that's ghosts you know i was gonna say something about that how um (laughs) this movie goes from like very light-hearted and uh almost like an adventurous curiosity kind of way with a mom to absolutely batshit insanity in a couple of scenes yeah it's like almost overnight yeah like yeah basically right it's like the next day or that same night yeah where the tree eats the kid or is trying to eat the kid and then caroline gets sucked into her closet Mm -hmm. is that the same night as the chair moving i don't know i think so that's insane how fast that happens though how it reveals itself to everyone and then immediately it just, like, starts killing, like, or trying to kill the family. Yeah. So, uh, the family 
So we have the dad, mm-hmm. Steve, mm-hmm. married to Diane, a young couple. I think they said that they're 30-something. 31, 32. And they have a 16-year-old daughter, Dana, who is, yeah. like, barely in this movie. Yeah. They, like, kind of, like, push her off to go do teenage stuff off screen. Yeah. Which is, like, kind of, like, just made for, like, some jokes and quips. Yeah, I think it's just, there's just too many, like, kids to keep track of. Yeah, because, like, the main kid is the little girl, uh, Carol Ann. Mm-hmm. She's the one that goes in the ghost dimension. And then we have Robbie. Yes. Who, I remember, I was like, oh, he's the worst. Robbie? But I was like, actually, I was like, he's pretty good. Like, his, mm-hmm. like I don't really care for little kid actors. Mm-hmm. But before we watched it, I was like, I know I hate the little boy. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I thought that. I think he was pretty good. He was a scared kid. Yeah. And he's not, like, a little, like, shit either. You think it just has to do with, like, every other movie following this uses that Robbie character, but in a worse way? Probably. Like, uh, as of recent memory, The Orphan. With uh, that with that brother, oh yeah, looks similar to Robbie, also Bucktooth kid, but he's a little shit in that movie. Yeah, and maybe it's like that, like all these other movies that use that same like older brother character and like make him look like a douche. You um, remember this character as those other like stereotypes? I could see that because I thought the same thing too. I remember before we watched the movie and like Robbie comes out, I was like, oh, he's an asshole. Like, he's that jerk kid. But he actually, like, isn't. No, he's, he's like, a good. normal kid. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, that's kind of how I feel about, like, like most, like, 80s, like, kids, like, in movies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, I don't know if that's just me being, like, tainted by I like Goonies. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, the Goonies cast, like, even the little shit characters, I like them. Yeah. Because you know? I feel kind of, like, normal. <laughs> Yeah. Like, they're not like, hey, let's take this one part about kids and mm-hmm. just amp it up. Yeah. The Goonies kids do yell a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there's, there's a lot of screaming in that movie. Oh, my God. Rewatching that recently, I forgot how much yelling there is. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting a headache. <laughs> These kids yell every single scene. Yeah. Um, Ro- Robbie does have just... I, I think it was more like the direction mm-hmm. of... Like the night going crazy, yeah. Where like I was like kind of annoyed with him, but okay. I think I, I think I was more annoyed that there was too much things going on and I was getting anxious. Yeah. So the night Robbie gets pulled by the tree, Caroline goes through the uh, world, <laughs> and um, they're looking for her, mm-hmm. and Robbie's covered in like mud, blood. Mud. It looks like mm-hmm. everything, and he's like trying he's like scared yeah. and he's like he's lost his voice for a second he's trying to like call out to his mom and I'm like say it just yeah. say it like and I was like <laughs> so I think that was the only time where I was like fuck fuck you Robbie yeah <laughs> like oh yeah when he's like desperately trying to call um that scene I, I feel very bad for Robbie because throughout the movie we see the interaction between Robbie and Carol Ann right and I guess the older sister at one point. But it's mostly like Robbie and Caroline have the strongest bonds. And we see them fighting a lot, like brother and sisters do. But there are a couple scenes that are very tender and show like how much they actually care for each other uh, when they're fighting in their bed over a truck. 
and like the mom hears them yelling or whatever and then later on after they're done playing or fighting or whatever they like close in it's like good night caroline good night ravi and so i was like i love you <laughs> yeah and he actually um cares for caroline when she does go missing and she's like he's trying to call for the mom and he's like mom mom's like caroline it's like because he's like trying to like say that caroline's in the tv but i don't think he even realizes that caroline's in the tv it's more of just like i am showing concern for my sister and even though i am hurt myself it's still like this sadness and like yeah. a pain for his like missing sister. Yeah, I think they. Yeah, I think they show it pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess before we go too much into this, let's say the plot twenty minutes later <laughs> into this podcast. Uh, yeah, so it's about a pizza delivery. <laughs> so, Poltergeist. If, if you were gonna give me like an elevator pitch on Poltergeist, like one minute. Or one sentence or less. Like, how would you describe this movie? Um, oh my god. Um, family terrorized by ghosts. Okay. Or multiple ghosts, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, because like, there's like, and I guess I would like talk about, like, I guess I would mention, you know, and one girl gets sucked into the ghost dimension. Mm-hmm. And the family must figure out a way to get her back. That's like the bulk of the movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because... Um, That's a hard movie to pitch, though. Mm-hmm. Because unless you have certain things already kind of like set up mm-hmm. in your head, you know, how many other ghost movies came out before this? You know, would, do, yeah. would someone want to take a risk on just like a no-name director or writer about a ghost movie? Yeah. You know, like here in like... In this case, we have, like, a pretty good, um, like, writing staff and directors mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, this movie is one of those, um, it, it's kind of hard to describe because there's so much going on, but it's, I, I, I called it a haunted house movie earlier, but it's more than a haunted house movie because it's more like, almost like a haunted entity, like, uh, but not like in a possession way where it's like this girl is haunted. Yeah, it's not like the exorcist. Yeah. It's because how do they explain it? A haunting is will last forever, but a poltergeist is attached to one person. Yeah. And it can end at any moment. Yeah. It, it, yeah, poltergeist will like come and go, but a haunting is there for a very long time, years. Yeah, so, um, so this family is in this development. This like suburb development. Yeah. Um, the dad works for the development company, mm-hmm. uh, rolling out like n- uh, new additions to like new houses being built and stuff like that. I think the mom is stay at home. I don't think she. Is. Yeah. And the three kids, and they live in this nice little suburb. And little do they know that it is uh, built on top of a graveyard. Yeah. And they said that they would just move the graveyard, the mm-hmm. bodies and the headstones. But here they just moved the headstones, we yeah. find out. But you left the bodies! <laughs> you son of a bitch! <laughs> you moved the headstones, but you left the bodies behind! Yeah, so, um, and the reason why we start to get this big ghost effect on this mm-hmm. house is the family's getting a swimming pool. Yeah. And so they start to dig up 
the ground and before they're able to dig any further to unveil mm-hmm. uh bodies and caskets uh the ghosts are happening yeah and, and, and we get a lot of rain so it probably pushes off like mm-hmm. the any more um uh like excavation that they need to be done dude i am s- sorry to interrupt but i am so glad you brought that up about the pool i've seen this movie countless times and i always had a question of why now? Why is the hauntings and like all these uh, sp- spooky events happening now? Because and then it wasn't until yesterday. I was like, the pool. Yeah. So like, I remember like the second or third time I watched the movie, I uh-huh. was like, oh, they probably just moved the headstones. Uh huh. And then they just made it flat level ground and then built all the houses, paved the roads and stuff. Mm-hmm. So no one dug into the ground yet. Yeah. When I watched it the second or third time, when the watches come out of mm-hmm. the portal, I was like, oh my God. It's because they started digging up the pool. the pool. I was like, that's all their, like, jewelry that was left yeah. behind and stuff. Um, which I I like that this movie kind of, like, it, it gave you the watch little mm-hmm. thing. And it's, like, in, in the pool thing in the uh-huh. beginning, it's, like, if you could attach those two things together, then you could figure out that it's because they started digging up and this mm. is, like, the people under the ground. Yeah, and for me, this time around... I didn't even pick up that it was the pool. That's the whole cause until later on when the boss shows up and is like talking to Steve and he's telling him how he doesn't want to lose him as an employee. So he's going to like give him this nicer place to live up on like the hill so he can like watch over the entire um, neighborhood, right? And then Steve's like, huh, space for a pool? Jokingly, right? And then the guy's like, Oh, yeah, like, we'll just move these, like, graveyard. We've done it before. And then that's where it clicked. I was like, pool, graveyard. I was like, oh, my God. I am an idiot that I've never made that connection before. Yeah. And it wasn't even until, like, almost throughout this entire movie where if I wasn't paying attention, I would have just gone again. And I probably would have asked during this podcast, like, what do you think the reason is these ghosts are (laughs) attacking all of a sudden? Yeah, because, um, so, at the, like, towards, like, the end of the movie Mm -hmm. the house is going fucking haywire Mm -hmm. which is now causing the neighborhood to go haywire yeah because it's now not just gonna be their house yeah the feelings freelings freelings and so because after the family's leaving like caskets are shooting up from the ground Mm -hmm. and stuff like there's no way you could like get around that now like it's out in the open when they're driving away, there's, like, a fire spewing out of the ground mm-hmm. and shit. It's, you know, the cars are being flipped. So this whole neighborhood is not going to be affected. Yeah. Which is, um... That makes even more sense that it was just because of the pool and they're in their house that that's the reason that they were the ones getting affected the most. But now that all the ghosts are starting to wake up again, uh... Yeah, the whole neighborhood is going to be affected. And even, like, the boss, his the look on his face is like, I'm done. Like, I'm, I fucked up. <laughs> yeah, he's going to jail. Yeah. Which is, like, such a crime. Yeah, um, I did no research or anything. I don't think it is, like, legal to acquire a graveyard anymore. Oh, that is tough. I don't know about anymore. Um, where I used to live in California... There was this place called Hunter's Steakhouse. And they were... They're built on top of, like, this hill and stuff. 
But they were also built on top of a graveyard that they relocated. But um, this is urban legends and stuff, right? Some say that they didn't move all the bodies. They just moved some, but they left some behind because they got too much, right? So that steakhouse is haunted. And they the multiple claims that's like there's sightings and like it gets like really cold and like like electricity is like really bad at that steakhouse and I didn't believe it until one time I actually went in there and then it was just like you just get this very eerie vibe as soon as you enter that steakhouse okay but I remember reading up on it because I was like curious and they also uh, were built on top of a graveyard that was supposedly relocated and stuff but you never know but as far as like nowadays I don't know yeah, I think, because, like, so it is kind of, like, an interesting thing. It's like, okay, like, in this world, we have mm-hmm. a lot of people. Yes. It means a lot of people are going to die. Mm-hmm. If you, so, like, graveyards, like, um, there's one not too far from here that's at max capacity. Mm-hmm. And I always thought to myself, I was like, where, where's everyone else going to be buried? You know, yeah. like, finding another spot for a graveyard is tough. Yeah. Because um, there is a thing with a town over from us mm-hmm. that you can't put any more cemeteries there. Really? They're maxed out? Because all the land, essentially, is like now done up. Huh. If you want to put in our cemetery in, you're going to need to blow up the ground because it's all rock. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's insane. You know, um, I was to like a podcast a while ago, but... Uh, regarding cemeteries and stuff and it's about how some houses and prop and farms and stuff you can make a graveyard on your property <laughs> you just have to get it approved by like um council okay. and like some people will probably say no yeah. <laughs> if like neighbors like i don't want to live next to a graveyard but you can bury your family on your property <laughs> so yeah, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. So I guess in that way, you can technically own a cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> Profit off it. Yeah, that that is interesting. You, you could charge the family like a monthly rent for mm-hmm. your loved ones. Be like, hey, if you don't pay me, Uncle Joe's getting ripped up. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's another movie. <laughs> He's out of here. Um. Weird question. Are you gonna be buried in a cemetery? Oh, be cr- I. I'm a hundred percent gonna get cremated. Get cremated? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I don't know, man. D- d- thinking about that, I'm like, I guess I don't have to worry about any of that, because I'll be dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I like all the like newer ideas that are coming out of how um, you could be, like, turned into a tree. <laughs> yeah, a tree. <laughs> or you could t- get, like, your ashes, like compress into a diamond <laughs> uh, oh um there's also one where you could get your ashes compressed into a vinyl yeah so whenever you hear that popping noise that's yeah. your like <laughs> <it's> you. <laughs> all that stuff is like a, too much to think about uh i always think about that it's like what if there is like a thing where it's like you need your body intact or like your remains uh in the afterlife or whatever and you come back and you're just like I'm, Fuck, I turn into, like, a fucking um, eggplant or something. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing about being a tree, I think that would suck, is just, like, if they plant me somewhere, and then, like, someone acquires that land, and they cut my tree down. Oh, yeah. I'll and, be pissed. I'll haunt that house. Yeah, I'm haunt. <laughs> ha- you know, I was gonna haunt that tree, but I guess not. I would be turned into the tree in this movie. Oh, my. 
Oh my god, that's what happened. <laughs> Some old Native Americans like, I'm gonna be a tree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this movie, uh, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Um, the director of this movie is someone named Toby Hooper, I believe. Tobe. Uh, yeah, good old Tobe. Tobe Hooper. He made Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So that's who he is. And but the writer and producer was Steven Spielberg. And I don't know about you, but like watching this movie yesterday felt very Spielbergy. Very. And there's these rumors and conspiracy theories out there that some people claim he he bullied him. Yeah, and he was the real director of this movie. Um but and, because he was doing E.T. at the time? Because this movie came out, like, what? 82. And then, didn't E.T. come out same year? Um, I... Let's find out. Uh, E.T. came out also the same year. I believe they came out a month apart or something. Yeah. And I feel like that's why he didn't want his name attached to it. Yeah. Because, like, it's, this is a fantastic movie. Uh-huh. So is E.T. Yes. I don't know if, like, he wanted his name on both, because what if, like, this one sucked, and mm-hmm. E.T. was really good, and I was like, ooh. That, you're getting close. That is what a lot of people believe, and a lot of people also think that's, like, maybe there was, like, a limit. You could only release one movie. Like, you can't release too many movies the same year. So, he was, like, a shadow director. Yeah, like, and- why, like, kind of, like like bogged down his name Uh with so many things yeah and a lot of the crew and cast came out throughout the years and said yeah et uh steven spielberg was really the guy in charge he was directing and everything (laughs) and i think even like um the person who plays tangina uh zelda she was also one of like the main culprits on that she because i think she was only on set for like seven days and she was like the whole time i was there Steven Spielberg worked with me all the time. He's really the guy in charge. Uh, but he, later on, I think a lot of them recanted their stories and said, no, Toby Hooper was really the director. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's one of those, like, you feel bad for him. Yeah. Um, I don't think Tobe Hooper is alive anymore. Oh. I think he passed away a couple of years ago, 2017. Yeah. Um. And I think that's kind of towards the time when people kind of, like, mm-hmm. are trying to change their story. Because, like, you know, when when someone's not around anymore, it's hard to, like, mm-hmm. be, like, discounting them. Yeah. It, you know, it's easy to do it, but you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to, like, be mean. Yeah. You know, spiteful. So, like, maybe that's why they're kind of recalling their stories a bit. Maybe. Out of, like, respect. I believe... Maybe they don't want to get haunted. Yeah. I, I, I believe that um, Toby Cooper did direct this movie fully. Um, there are, like, things where it's, like, second camera that Steven Spielberg did help on. Like, he was, like, a second director. But those were only, like, for, um, like, extras and, like, maybe, like, the fucking um, bike kids or whatever with the remote cars. Like, he probably directed some of that stuff. But I want to see most of these actual, like, scares and stuff was all Toby Hooper. Uh, and it makes sense because I, I heard that Steven Spielberg approached him and said, 
he wanted Toby Cooper to make E.T. Because he wanted to make Poltergeist. And Toby Cooper was like, I'm not your guy. Like, that's not really my kind of thing. Which makes sense because he made Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And Steven Spielberg was like, okay, what about this one? And gave him the Poltergeist script. And Toby Cooper was like, yeah, now that's my alley. And this could be another instance of directors kind of like honing in on the Spielbergness of the movie. Like, uh, another example is like Joe Dante with Gremlins. Because Steven Spielberg was also a producer on Gremlins and very heavily involved. And Gremlins feels a little Spielberg-y. Okay. And that could be because Joe Dante, since he was working so close with um, Steven Spielberg, probably picked up on some of his work ethic and, like, took a lot of notes and was like, okay, I'm going to change my directing style for this movie a little bit. And that could be, like, similar to what happened here in Poltergeist. Okay. Yeah, and that's happened a lot in other movies and stuff where Steven Spielberg is directly involved, where, like, directors are, like, kind of pick up some of his, like, quirks and stuff. Yeah. Because, like, I guess, like, so, like, yeah, he's a writer on this, mm-hmm. and he gives it to him, and he's also, like, going to be, like, his hand attached to it. He has his hand in the bowl. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's it would happen with any anybody mm-hmm. that's, like, as prolific as him. I don't know if that's the right word. Prolific. I don't know. But, like, as, like, high noir notoriety as him. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know, like... Could you imagine if you just got handed, like, a script by Steven Spielberg and went, here's a really good movie, and he yeah. walked away? Like, I would feel so panicked. I'm like, I don't want to do this wrong. Yeah. So it could have been, like, a, hey, help me out, please. Mm-hmm. Or, like, hey, would you like to be, like, a little more hands-on? Mm-hmm. And then maybe he didn't know when to stop being hands-on. Yeah. To the point where he was like, no, it's now my movie. Like, yeah, because you're not going to say, like, it, go it's fuck a, off, you know? It's a group project gone wrong. Yeah, exactly. But made a really good movie. You know what I liked about this time watching it? Um, I could tell that Steven Spielberg had a lot of influence in this movie because there is a lot of Star Wars shit in it. So much. And Steven Spielberg and George Lucas are buddies. So, like, if he wasn't attached to it, no way they would let Star Wars merge me in this movie. <laughs> and it's just because, like, I don't know, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg for some reason got along very well. <laughs> but what do you think? Do you think... Steven Spielberg is a ghost director on this, or do you think he just had a lot of influence? Both. Both? Yeah. I think maybe if he wasn't if he wasn't ghost directing at the start, he had mm-hmm. a lot of influence mm-hmm. that turned into this, or vice versa. Yeah. Maybe at the start he was really hands-on, and then he backed off. Mm. Um, I think definitely, because... He's definitely a big part of it, like no doubt. Like you can't capture that much Spielbergy, yeah. And 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 then look at who wrote it and who was on set. And be like, oh yeah, he didn't do it. Yeah. So yeah, I think he. I don't know if he bullied him. Yeah, I don't want to say bullied him. He was probably just like, this is what I was picturing when I wrote the script, or like this is what I thought on this part. Yeah, like I don't know. I've done like projects and stuff like that where. Mm-hmm. I would tell someone, be like, well, I was more thinking this, mm-hmm. you know, versus that, you know, being in a creative space, it's not like you're not confined to a box. Yeah. This could be anywhere, you know, Yeah. which, you know, I'm not used to. My mm-hmm. stuff is, yeah, it works or it doesn't work. You got to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. But like with this, you know, there's so much freedom in a creativity space. Yeah. You know, I'm curious if... Uh... <laughs> 
if it got switched and he mainly directed this one and he let uh Toby Hooper direct E.T. Like how different would it be? Well, so different. Right? Like maybe E.T. would be more scary. <laughs> yeah, I don't think E.T. would look like E.T. I think no. it would be a more monstrosity alien. Yeah. Like kinda like something that wouldn't be able to sell a plush. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. The, the poltergeist as of as a movie and as like a uh, Spielberg um, joint doesn't have a lot of like merch or like it doesn't have a lot of like um, appeal to like like toys or like other stuff like maybe shirts like Poltergeist shirts but I feel like all the other like Spielberg movies has an element of like um you could bring it home with you yeah like you have like an E.T. plush or you could have like a Jaws like head or like a Jaws plush as well. Yeah. Like a lot of like his movies have those elements of like merches involved or like some other kind of um, element that's not just like the movie. But Poltergeist does not have that really. Yeah. Well, I guess it'd be hard to like. What would you sell, right? Yeah. Um. I guess that's with like a lot of movies. It's mm-hmm. it's hard to like sell like individual things. Yeah. Like now some things are different. Like stickers and pins are pretty mm-hmm. popular. So you could do stuff like that, t-shirts. But I feel like a lot of his movies, there is that, like, all right, the shark, mm-hmm. you know, iconic, E.T., iconic. Yeah. So you get stuff like that where it just kind of, like, sticks with the public, and mm-hmm. you're like, I want that. Well, it's also just, like, Poltergeist doesn't have anything I could think of that's, like, I don't, I wouldn't want any dolls of the family, you don't really get, like, a good picture of the poltergeist or the ghosts. I would say, like, the TV is just iconic. Like, like yeah. Like, like, the old CRT. What, is that CRT? I think so. Like, the old oh, tube yeah. TV. Tube top. And then with the static. Yeah. Like, like, that you could sell, like, a figurine of. Yeah, I guess so. But it's, it's but just, like, that a TV. Would, that would be it, though. It would have to be almost, like, kind of, like, shadow box kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Which I think also makes this movie more classic in a way because there's nothing to date it really yeah um it's just one of those like movies that's like it's obviously based in like the 80s because of um like like the decorations and like the old tv but other than that there's no like chucky doll or there's no like uh, like texas chainsaw massacre leatherface figure it's just a movie and a story that could take place during any time. Yeah. And, like, uh, nothing in the, you know, like, in a house really affects, like, the story. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's not like, it's like, oh, it's haunting because of, like, this old, like, grandfather clock or anything. It's just the plot. Yeah. And, like, the house that's built on. Which is, it's funny that you bring that because, but yet, they really messed up. Mm-hmm. remaking this movie in 2015 yeah. 2015 they really took like the modern like thriller vibe mm-hmm. of like ghost movies yeah like the clown in the 2015 one yeah. is just, it's supposed to be like this nightmare fuel mm-hmm. Annabelle like creation that they decided to do instead of in this movie mm-hmm. where you the clowns is kind of like foreshadowing what the scare might be. Yeah. 
and when it does the scare part it's only there for like 15 seconds yeah and it pulls the kid but there's a lot of other shit going on it pulls Mm -hmm. the kid but the kid like you know before you know it the kid's ripping the doll apart yeah and then like you know he's saved but in the 2015 one i remember that scene going off like way longer and it was Mm -hmm. just more egregious because like what are you trying to do you're trying to make this into Mm -hmm. something it's not and the clown is something that i like in the new one right i never saw the 2015 one but it's that trend and like those horror movies that were coming out during that time that I cannot stand. I hate the Annabelle doll because it's like, who would make a doll that creepy and give it to kids? Kids, yes. Or give it to like as a present? Like, no, that Annabelle doll is made solely for the purpose of being creepy in this horror movie. It would not exist anywhere else no. other than in the horror movie. And what this 1982 Poltergeist movie does so well with the clown is it looks just like any kid's toy that could exist in, like, a Toys R Us or, like, a Macy's or something. And it's not that the toy itself is scary. It's more scary because of how the kid looks at it. And he's scared of the clown. Like, some kids are scared of, like, big Barbie dolls. And it's not because the Barbie doll is scary in itself. It's just, like... The way the kid perceives it. Yeah. And that's what I didn't like about the new one. It's, like... That doll is so creepy, and there's no way any sane parent would buy that creepy clown doll for their kid. Oh, God, no. And that's what I like about, um, like, Chucky, the good guy doll. Because before he turns into the killer Chucky, it looks just like a doll. (laughs) Yeah, it does. And that's, like, in the first movie, right? After that, it's, like, obviously it goes off the rails, and it's, like, Chucky becomes, like, demented in a way. But that's why I think Chucky is so effective. Because it just looks like a toy that you could pick up, like, right now. Like, Walmart or something. Yeah, I have a side-by-side mm-hmm. of, like, the 82 clown and then the 2015 one. And it's like... There's no way. Like, there's that no is... way. That looks that looks like an actual scary, like, clown mask yeah. that you would find somewhere. That looks like something off of, like... What's that, like, um, horror game? Like, Poppy's Playhouse or something? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. It... You know... That's like a that, that that's a topic for another podcast about how <laughs> kids are drawn to scary shit. Oh yeah, blows my mind. It's insane. Um, other than the clown, not a lot is really that like terrifying in a way. Um, when we go into the the kids' room, right, and like all like the toys are like moving around, like there's a scene where like I, the little tin robot is like moving and like laughing and stuff. Doesn't look like a scary version of that tin robot it's just like a tin robot moving on its own yeah <laughs> so in that way it's scary um i think like but uh, prop wise i think the tree is like the other scary part um and i don't know what came out first off the top of my head evil dead or this one i think evil dead came out first Ah, uh, let's find out Research. 1981, yeah, a year before. And that's what that tree reminded me of this time is because the one thing I think about Evil Dead the most is the tree. Um, the very rapey tree in that movie. Yeah. Um, uh, if we ever do Evil Dead, mm-hmm. um, I hate that part yeah. so much. Yeah, Evil Dead is one of those, like, uh, I haven't seen that one in a long time. I know I like Evil Dead 2 a lot. Hmm. 
because Evil Dead 2 is like basically almost a remake of the first Evil Dead. But it really is. More Sam Raimi. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> but the way the tree snatches the um, Robbie in this movie. It's quick, it's fast, and it's like, I'm going to eat that kid. Dude, he starts shoving it in its tree mouth. I never noticed that before. Really? Yeah, I always thought he just absorbs, starts absorbing him. I didn't ever notice that it's like an actual mouth on this tree. <laughs> yeah, I so it's it's funny because it's like, <clears throat> so like obviously this poltergeist is trying to take one of the kids at mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. If it's gonna get both, I guess cool. If it successfully ate Robbie, like, would he go to the ghost dimension? I always thought it, I always thought it as like the ghost is just trying to get rid of Robbie because he's in a way, oh. and the real target is always Carol Ann. Yeah, I guess because she makes first contact with them. Yes. Uh, so, or maybe it's a distraction for the parents. Yeah, yeah, that's what also what I thought. Like in the in the getting him out of the way kind of part, serving as a distraction, so Carol Ann is alone in the bedroom, so the ghost could take her. Okay, you know what? I like that. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> in the way Carol Ann makes contact with the ghost in this movie through the static on the TV such a genius way because um static on the TV by itself not creepy annoying maybe but this movie really makes static terrifying yeah especially um, with the strobe effect <laughs> I was closing my eyes a lot not because of jump scares mm-hmm. or anything just because of how much the strobing effect was yeah. like I guess that's my one complaint of this movie is the strobing effect in the beginning yeah. I was like if they tone that down just a little bit yeah it wouldn't be that bad maybe it's a bit different on like we're watching it on like a modern television yeah but yeah I was in the, uh, <coughs> I was thinking about that do you, I I can't remember watching this on VHS but I was like I don't remember it being that harsh the strobing no. effect yeah so maybe it's just the version we're watching the HD <laughs> very bright mm-hmm. but the um, the first time I think yeah, it's the first time they're, she's talking with the ghost on TV. And she's like, what? What? Talk louder. Talk louder. I can't hear you. And she starts talking and answering the questions like, no. No. I don't know. And, like, all the family, like, starts going downstairs, checking what's going on. At that point, like, minute five of this movie, out. <laughs> Taking that girl to go see a therapist or a doctor. It's like, you don't just play that off. Yeah. They kind of, like, write it off as maybe she was sleepwalking. But that's just way too creepy. Yeah. But, um, I guess because, like, the mom has, like, history of sleepwalking, she says. So, like, I feel like that's how they're able to write this off so fast. Okay. But also, like... It feels like everything just kind of happens like boom, 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 like one day mm-hmm. after another. So I feel like they don't really have time to really like just be like, oh, that was last week. That yeah. Was, you know, like if it happened again, maybe the family would be like, okay, we should take her somewhere. Yeah. But they don't have a chance to because she gets fucking eaten by the ghosts. Yeah, it, it does happen very, um, very quickly one after another. I don't know how much time passes from when Carol Ann gets taken to when they actually go seek help. I'm going to say like a weekend or no like at least a week maybe yeah because the boss talks about how he missed a lot of work 
Yeah. And about how Caroline hasn't been in school for a little bit. Yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah, we got the flu. Yeah. That's crazy to think that's not, like... I think of, like, other horror movies, it's, like, you get the help that same day. Yeah. But this one, they're, like, I, I think they're trying to figure out on their, on their own. Because enough time has passed where, like, they know the nuances of what the ghosts do. And it's, like, oh, yeah, they do this, and then I'm going to say that. five days. At least at least one work week has gone by. Okay. That's quite a bit of time. I would freak out. <laughs> yeah. And, like, how, like, calm they are. Yeah. But you could tell, like, how, like, just distraught internally they are. Yeah. Like, if the dad had cigarettes, mm-hmm. he would be, like, shaking with one hand. Mm-hmm. It'd be draped out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it would just be like, like, oh, yeah, I'm fed up, man. Like, I'm so done. I know. they're The mom is handling it better than the husband. But I don't know if that's just because of the parents are also very young. And I, I don't want to say naive is the right term, but they're definitely not as like conflicted as like other parents would be like older parents like in their 40s or 50s i feel like they would be more freaking out but these parents still have like a uh, like a sense of we don't exactly know what's going on so we're not going to take it in like the worst possible way yeah do you remember when they were in the kitchen moving the, when the chair was moving by itself yeah and how she was like I need you to, like, be like how you were when you were younger. Like, have you an open mind. Have an open mind. So maybe uh-huh. that is what they're doing. Yeah. Having an open mind try to figure... Because there is no Ghostbusters in the Yellow yeah. Pages. You know? Like, she even says, she's just like, there's exterminators, but, yeah. like, there's no, like, paranormal investigator in the yeah. book. Yeah. Which is also something. I... They don't have that anymore, right? Is, is Yellow Pages done? I think you can still you can still get a phone book. Okay, it's probably yeah. way skinnier now. Yeah, I know people still rip them. <laughs> I actually had that same thought in my head. <laughs> Ripping a phone book, I was like, I think it's easier now. I know it's not I, a challenge. I remember I watched like a couple YouTube videos on like how to rip phone books in half, and I was like, I'm gonna impress everyone next time we go to a house party, and I couldn't find our phone book, <laughs> and I was very bummed. Damn. But um, the parents are... That's something I really want to talk about because the parents in this movie, so cool. I think these are the coolest parents I've seen in almost any movie. And they're not, like, cool in the sense of, like, the mom and Mean Girls cool where she's like, what do you need? Snacks, condoms. It's like they're parents, but they're doing their own thing. Yeah, like, they're smoking weed in their bedroom, Mm -hmm. you know? And, like, they still have, like, their, like, younger strides. Like, they still yeah. goof and, like, they still like, make jokes with each other. Like, yeah, they're still in love. Yeah, yeah. they're not sick of each other. They mm-hmm. have, like, a, they have their love for their kids. Yeah. Like, um, when he tells the youngest the, the youngest daughter to go to bed because he mm-hmm. hears her on the phone or whatever. Yeah. And he goes and goes, good night, Dana. And they close the door and he, and, like, he, like, waits and he opens the door and goes, get off the phone, Dana. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, he's not being a hard-ass, like, to the point where it's, like, he's mean about it. Which is awesome, because in other movies, in stressful scenarios like this, they would turn on each other. They would snap. Yeah, or, like, the dad's, like, not staying at home anymore because he's depressed by his daughter. But, like, they're together till like, the very end. And what I like about it also is they've also had kids at a very young age. If she's 32 and the oldest daughter is 16... So they must have had the girl when they were like, 
16, 17? Yeah, they had to have, yeah. Yeah, like... 16 plus 16 is 31, so... Yeah, right? So, that, to me, is also saying something about, like, how how strong the relationship, like, as a family is. And, like, that's why they're still able to, like, hold on to, like, their, their daughter and everything else. Um, also, what I like about it is, like, it's, it feels real. Um, the dad's, a, like, a Republican. And you can tell because he's reading uh, Ronald Reagan. And, like, his, like, memoir or his book or whatever. And I think that actor is one of, like, the, like, openly Republican actors, too. But he's, like, a cool Republican. <laughs> he's, like, doing that, but he's also smoking weed, so he also has, like, a liberal side to him, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, like, the the mom gives me, like, very, like, art teacher vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, what, one thing that happened that I thought was kind of interesting is, um, I've never seen the sequels of, Go- of mm-hmm. Polar Guys. But when the mom goes in to the other world to go get Caroline, and she comes back out and she has the gray yeah. streaks in mm-hmm. her hair, I always thought, I'm like, oh, like that took years off of her life. Yeah. And she went into like the other side, yeah. essentially. And I don't know if the other movies like talk about that. Oh, man. I do not remember them that well. <laughs> I know most of them show back up for the second movie. Other, not the oldest daughter, though. Um, and in the third movie, I think Car- it's only Carol Ann because they send her off to like live with her aunt and, her- and uncle. Oh. Um, hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so that was always something I was like, damn, like, does that mean she's gonna die like sooner? Because mm-hmm. like, oh maybe. You know, that's how I thought of it. You know. Yeah, it, it is one. Of- Other movies have done that though, where it's like something happens, it's a ghost something or. Um, where they end up getting like a white strand of hair. Only thing I can think of is like uh, Anna in Frozen, yeah. when she gets fucking sapped by the uh, ice, she ends up getting a white strand of hair. Mm-hmm. I guess she also died. <laughs> yeah. In a way, uh, the one thing I we have to talk about before we uh, end this is the Poltergeist curse. How familiar are you with the curse of Poltergeist? Not familiar at all. So, there is a thing in this movie where some people claim that this movie is cursed. Oh. Because several people involved in the making of this movie have died. I know, unfortunately, Carol Ann's actress. She died very young. Very young. Yeah. Um, She died because I think she was misdiagnosed uh, with... uh, not, what's it not what's it called chronos uh, I don't know she was misdiagnosed with a disease and ended up dying of septic shock holy shit yeah and the older um older daughter Dana died because her ex-boyfriend strangled her uh outside of her house and she ended up going into a coma and dying oh damn yeah and I think uh, a couple other people throughout the movie in one of the sequels, there is a Native American chief that dies in real life. And it was just, like, throughout the um, making of it, like, people either got injured, misfortune came to them, and it's just believed that this movie has been cursed. Oh, shit. And uh, one of the beliefs is because during the scene where the mom is going to the neighbors and trying to get help, and she oh. falls into the pool, 
those are actual bodies. Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't know that, right? No, that is a genuine uh, terrifying reaction out of her because uh, I don't know what the reasoning was, but they ended up just getting actual human remains. <laughs> and like, so for most of the skeletons, those are actual just like dead people. And that is uh, why people think that this movie is cursed. I can see it. Yeah. <coughs> so yeah. it's one of those things. I, I think uh, The Exorcist is another one that uh, is believed to be cursed. I know about that one. Yeah. A lot of people think that's cursed. Yep. But uh, that is... Uh, people have a very strong belief about the Poltergeist curse. And I think when the 2015 remake came out people were warned that's like oh the poltergeist curse and i think other misfortunes also happen on that set as well dang yeah um i guess speaking about like the actual like poltergeist segment of the movie Mm -hmm. so they bring in the paranormal investigators and zelda Mm -hmm. to help get their daughter back and that whole like series of events mm-hmm. from where they ship Robbie away so they could just focus on one kid. Yeah. And they were like trying to figure out like like how they're gonna tie a rope to the mom mm-hmm. and she's gonna go in. That has some of like the weirdest dialogue choices, I think. Okay. So like they kept saying to them like, Oh yeah, like Caroline calls out like, Mommy, are you in the light? Mm-hmm. And how they're like, Oh, tell her to stay away from it. Yeah, the first time, yeah. And then now they're like, okay, tell her to go into it. And the way, like, Zelda and Diane's commentary, not commentary, mm-hmm. but their dialogue back and forth, it's very strange. Because, like, yeah. she's, like, really, like, telling her, like, what to say. And she's like, I don't want to say that because yeah. I was told this. And she's so conflicted. And it was very, like, a strange way to do it. Because it's yeah. very, like, quick. It is. Where it's just like, do it. No. Okay. I hate you. It's like, yeah. okay. It, it seems like it's it comes out of a stressful situation. I believe that going into the light has always been bad. Because later on, Zelda stops her and says, tell her not to go into the light. Which is like, oh, she's contradicting herself. But I think it was a trap. Because she wanted the ghost to go into the light. Yeah, I think that's like, mm-hmm. like almost like a bridge. Yeah. That's like broken. So it seems like when the mom goes in to grab the daughter, and it's she's like doing that, and Zelda is saying something like I don't know if she's saying like a prayer or something, but she's basically telling all the other ghosts to like go into the light and like follow it. So I always thought it was like a trap, like oh she's like telling the the girl to get as close as she possibly can to the light before actually going in to okay. maybe like metaphorically push the ghost in. <laughs> um, that dialogue, it, it is very weird. Um, the one that I didn't like is the, the dad in that scene when she's like, like, like what? You told her not to go into the light. Like, now you're telling her this? And it's like, and he starts pulling her in and then uh, ends up like taking that big demon out. Yeah. Which I was like, what are you doing? Just, like, listen to this girl. But at the same time, it's like, if I was in that situation, I don't know who I would listen to. Yeah. It's very, um, I don't know, it's just, like, it's it's a lot to take in at the moment, you know? It's a very chaotic scene. Yeah, because then her, the older lady, not Zelda, but the other one is, like, runs into the room for some reason. And then she's like, no, go downstairs. And she's like, okay. 
So, like, why did you run into the room at that point? It's just a lot of chaos going on. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know if that's, like, purposeful chaos or if it was just, like, maybe Steven was off that day. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Um, The ghost encounters in the house, we also have to talk about the most iconic uh, scene in this movie, which is one of the ghost hunters where he gets up to, like, get a late night. Uh, snack oh yeah i think we all had the same feeling about it it looked way more realistic as a kid as a kid Mm -hmm. because like so like he goes up and he puts a whole steak on the counter yeah um and the poltergeist is like playing tricks on his mind yeah so the steak looks like it's like shooting out like Mm -hmm. um, it's like breaking apart or something like that and like there's like fucking gross shits coming out of it there's maggots in the chicken wing so then he goes to, like, the... I don't even know what they have. It's, like, a pantry that opens, and there's, like, a utility sink in there. I was like, yeah. that's cool. I want one of those. I thought maybe it was, like, a laundry closet. Maybe. Like, a water closet or something. And when, he, and when he looks in the mirror, he has, like, a little, like, cut right here. Yeah. And as soon as he touches it, and it does, like, a cutaway to cut back. It's, like, that really fake-looking dummy. Yeah. But he just starts, like, tearing away at his skin and stuff like that. And I was like... I'm, I do remember that one of the first time I watched it, I was, like, recoiled into, yeah. like, the cover. I was like, oh, my God. Even though it's fake, it's still very gross yeah. and, like, off-putting. And my belief to that is, like, I think when we were younger, we probably watched this on, like, shittier quality. So that, in turn, made this more realistic. Because sometimes when you watch older movies, it's better to watch them, like, on a VHS tape or something. Yeah. Because of how the movies are shot, they're in shot with that idea in mind that you're not going to be able to fully grasp what's going on. But watching this on, like, Crystal HD, <laughs> it's very obvious that it's a dummy. And that's, like, yeah. something that I don't think we were ever really meant to really see, that it was a dummy. Yeah. Uh, that, I remember thinking it was a lot worse. Because in my head, I was like, he's getting tricked into thinking that he's, like, something's wrong with his face. And I thought in real life he was actually scratching at himself or something. But it's just okay. It's just all in his head. Yeah. And because of that, it made me think about other stuff earlier in the movie. Where I was like, do you think the poltergeists were just, like, mentally fucking with them? Like, was that true actually real? Or was that another poltergeist trick where it was just, like, making them all think that it was actually attacking the kid? Oh, I wonder. Yeah, because it's like, it seems like the poltergeist, like... They can do physical damage, but they do a lot of mental damage instead. Um, I think, other than that, I think we pretty much hit everything I really wanted to talk about. Is there yeah. anything that really stood out to you? Yeah, no, I think that's. I think I hit everything I wanted to. Yeah. So let's uh let's take a quick break, and then we'll get to trivia and then I'll do our final thoughts. Alright, and we're back to some trivia. So, here is some stuff that I found on good old IMDb. Uh, both of the terrors that plague Robbie came from Steven Spielberg's own fears as a child. A fear of clowns and a tree outside of his window. That does make sense. Why they do harp on it pretty mm-hmm. hard. Um, Growing up, I know you, you lived in like 
like at the same house most of your life, right? Yeah. Did you ever have something outside your window that freaked you out as a kid? So, um, the room I grew up in was a walkthrough room, mm-hmm. which was for other people to get to their room. You mm-hmm. walk through mine. Gotcha. Really shitty design, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was. It was more or less not certain things, but when someone would just come into my room, but yeah. they wouldn't turn the light on, obviously, that always yeah. scared me. Uh-huh. So I'd always think someone was in my room sometimes, because I was so used to people walking through, but it still scared me. That's really creepy. Yeah. I would hate that. Because, <laughs> like, where, how my room was positioned to get to my brother's room, you had to walk through, like, really quickly. Mm-hmm. And then the bathroom was, like, a straight pass through my room. Okay. Gotcha. So, like... There was a lot of times where, like, I would think I saw stuff, but... Mm-hmm. Just someone walking by. Yeah, or, you know, there is no one there, but it's just, like, a shadow. But I was used to seeing a shadow mm-hmm. that I didn't know if that was a person or not. Gotcha. I, I definitely... I moved around a lot as a kid, uh, but there were definitely some places where, like, it would either be uh, trees or other houses where, like, neighbors would walk by and stuff. Where I would always be really scared, and I like always have to close the curtains. Like I could not sleep with open curtains because like I always had a fear that I would open my eyes and someone would be standing outside of my window. <laughs> and, like that was always scary to me as a kid. Oh yeah. Or the shower curtain thing. I always leave the shower curtain open. Yeah. And I'm like I don't want anyone hiding in there. <laughs> I still do that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it, it's not even like a, I think that's one of those like uh, subconscious. Uh-huh. I just do it. Like I walk in the bathroom and just move the curtain over yeah. if I see it. I don't. I always freak out when uh, I I take a shower and I leave it open and I go into the bathroom later on throughout the day and someone close the curtain and I'm like I didn't close the curtain. Someone's in that bathroom right now. Uh, other trivia I have is Dominic Dune. Dana Freeling and Heather O'Rourke, Carol Ann Freeling, are buried in the same cemetery, Westwood Memorial Park in Los Angeles. On October, on October 30th, 1982, uh, Dune was strangled by her ex-boyfriend in the driveway of her West Hollywood home. She died on November 4th at the age of 22, having never regained consciousness. Dang. And then on February 1st, 1988... O'Rourke died of intestinal stenosis at the age of 12. So, they died pretty close to each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Man, if Robbie died too, that would be all like the kids. Oh my god. Actually, I don't even know if he... No, he's still kicking. He's still... <laughs> Does he act anymore? Does Robbie act? I don't think so. No, it looks like he... Oh, did he have something for... He was a writer. Ah, uh, I guess he, he I probably think... changed for writing. Yeah. Interesting. Because he plays Robbie in the two movies, and then he's in airplane this airplane two. sequel. Yeah, he probably quit. Yeah, became a writer. Um, during all the horrors that preceded while filming per- Poltergeist, only one scene really scared Heather O'Rourke, that in which she had to hold onto the headboard while a wind machine blew toys into the closet behind her. The young actress fell apart. Producer Steven Spielberg stopped everything, took her in his arms, and said that she would not have to do that scene again. Aww. That was a really scary scene, actually, for, like, a little girl. Yeah. Yeah, man. Steven Spielberg's really good with kids. Which is, like, kudos to him, man. Getting a little kid to, like, act in some of those scenes, I would have never been able to do that. 
At around 43 minutes, when Steve tells the parapsychologist his family members' ages, he says that Dana, his oldest daughter, is 16, and his wife, Diane, is 32. Many viewers interpret this to mean that Diane was only 16 when she gave birth to Dana. However, the novelization of the film clarifies that Diane is is Steve's second wife, and Dana is actually Diane's stepdaughter. But since that was never mentioned in the film, it doesn't apply. Ah. Huh. Yeah. Ah, I guess. (laughs) That's weird. I I would go off the movie and not the novelization. (laughs) Yeah. But... That would make more sense. I guess. Eh, but, you know, it's not unheard of to have, like, a 16-year-old parent, you know? Like, true. Like, it happens, you know? True, true. <clears throat> that would make sense why she's not in the movie that much. Yeah. Uh, James Karen, at the time, was also the commercial spokesman for Pathmark Supermarkets. He received hate mail from people saying that they would never shop there again because of his character's treatment of the Freelings. Damn. Drew Barrymore was considered for the role of Carol Ann, but producer Steven Spielberg wanted someone more angelic. (laughs) It was Barry's audition for this role, however, that landed her the part of Gertie in E.T. That's funny. They want someone more angelic. What a diss, dude. I know. Drew Barrymore, more like a demon. (laughs) Around an hour and 35 minutes, when Robbie is being strangled, the clown's arms become extremely tight, and Robbie's starts to choke. When he screamed out, I can't breathe, Steven Spielberg and Toby Hooper thought that the boy was ad-libbing and just instructed him to look at the camera. When Spielberg saw Robbie's face turn purple, he ran over and removed the clown's arms from Robbie's neck. Holy fuck. Yeah. Oh my god. So that must have been like an actual animatronic then if it was able to strangle him. Oh wow. That's insane. Oh my god. Dude, the 80s were wild. Oh yeah. (laughs) Putting kids in actual harm's way. Just look into the camera, Robbie. Yeah. Like, like, oh no, he's turning purple. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. They're like, this is great. Yeah. They go over, knock the boy over on the ground. It's like, oh my god, is the puppet okay? (laughs) Is the puppet okay? Spielberg's like, I can't have an animatronic fail on me. (laughs) Not now. Uh, Real human skeletons were used in the swimming pool scene. Since the crew decided it would be too complicated and expensive to get fake ones. Joe Beth Williams was not made aware of this until after the scene was finished. Oh my god. Do you think she would have done the scene if she knew? Hell no. Yeah, right? I don't think so. (laughs) So, I thought making human remain like fake skeletons mm. would be way cheaper than acquiring real ones i don't know i never purchased I, real human remains yeah i feel like they they're expensive <laughs> maybe they're like you know how you could donate your body to science can you donate it to movies yeah maybe <laughs> like to props and stuff i guess uh but then what do you do with them when they're done like do you like toss them put them in storage Taking out the trash. Yeah, we're done with this. Uh, (laughs) Heather O'Rourke was chosen for the film when she was eating lunch with her mother and sister at the MGM commissary. Producer Steven Spielberg came up to them and wanted O'Rourke for the part of Carol Ann. She initially failed the screen test because she kept laughing her way through the audition, even when she was supposed to be afraid. 
Spielberg thought that she was too young to take the part seriously, but he still recognized something special in her. So he asked her to come back for another audition, and this time being, bring a scary storybook with her. He also asked her to scream, so she screamed and screamed until she started crying. This audition got her cast as Carol Ann. Dang. Yeah, man, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> that seems like a kind of brutal for like a little kid. Yeah. Scream until you cry. Yeah. She probably was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Uh, the crawling steak was done by using a real steak, which was laid over a slot cut between the tiles in the countertop. Two wires were fastened to the bottom of the steak, and the special effects operator hidden under the counter simply moved the wires to make the steak crawl like a caterpillar. A similar operation was done when Diane presents to Stephen the chairs that move across the room by themselves. A wire was fastened to one of the chair's legs under the set. An operator would first wobble the chair with the wire, then drag the chair across to its destination. Hmm. Interesting. And originally, as Toby Hooper, Steven Spielberg, and the screenwriters were plotting out the screenplay, Carol Ann was going to be killed in the first act and then haunt the house in the second. They eventually decided that this was too dark and opted to have her kidnapped by the ghost. In fact, eventually so many of the dark elements were removed because Spielberg wanted a PG rating, so that the film could run as a double feature in theaters with the currently released E.T. So much so that there was only one death, Tweety the Bird, in the final movie, and only a couple of injuries. Oh my god, I forgot about the bird dying. Yep, Tweety the Bird. Tweety the Bird. And how the mom was going to flush it down the toilet. Yeah. I like how the mom was like, Tweety, you couldn't have waited until a school day. <laughs> yeah. I do like how, like, Carol Ann is, like, devastated over the bird. And yeah. Then, and then after they bury it, he just goes, can I get a goldfish? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, at no point in this movie was I ever fearful for the dog. The dog was just like, fucking ghost, great. I'm off to grandma's. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird, because, like, most horror movies, I always have this, like, innate fear that something's going to happen to the dog. Not in this movie. No. No, the dog was more like an alarm system. Yeah. That's just kind of like, pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. Look, there's ghosts. And that was like, oh, E-Buzz? E-Buzz. Yeah. Weird, right? Is that like a... Is there, like, any trivia on the dog? <laughs> like, why, like, what is... Wait, wait, why E-Buzz? I don't know. Uh, huh. So Eva just comes from Dan Aykroyd's character in an SNL skit. That's funny. I thought there was going to be more on that. I thought there would be way more. Because like, I hear Buzz and all I think is like Buzz Aldrin, Buzz Lightyear. I I'm kept like, reading it as E. coli. E. e- coli. <laughs> oh my best, E. coli. <laughs> <laughs> but I love how um, E. Buzz is just like eating shit the entire movie. Yeah, like the first scene, he's eating the chips. He he goes around to every family member that yeah. has food with them and eats yeah. their shit. Why does everyone fall asleep with food with them? I don't know. <laughs> like like the dad was the only one that made sense to have anything because yeah. he was like he was chilling by the TV and fell asleep watching TV. Yep. But like the son having like a bag of potato chips, which mm-hmm. E Buzz gets fucking everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, Caroline doesn't have anything. And I think there's something by the mom's nightstand yeah. that just goes up to just chomps. Um, you know, the I think the reason I didn't fear for E-Buzz is when we first get the interaction between him and the ghost, 
it comes off as playful because he brings the ball over. And then he's like, damn, you don't want to play catch with me? I'm out. Yeah. So it's never, it's never like he yelps or gets hit by the ghost. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. But uh, that was it for the trivia, so let's move on to our final thoughts. Go for it, Nick. All right, Poltergeist. I think, it, like I said, I can't believe how well it holds up. Um, this is all, but going from this one to the 2015 one, this is why if you're going to do a remake, it's like nearly impossible anymore to uh-huh. get the same feeling because modern audience, if when you do a remake, you have to, they have to make it modern. But like everything about Poltergeist works because it's not modern, you know? Mm-hmm. It's the first time they're doing this. It works really well. So, just stop remaking shit. Yeah. You know? Like, I know we didn't watch the remake, but, like, just watching this one again, I was like, this one's so good. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, man. Like, if something is as good as this, don't remake it. You know? Don't remake E.T. Don't remake Jaws, you know? Just don't touch anything that Steven Spielberg has already touched. Yeah. You know? Definitely. I'm gonna give this an A minus. Yeah, really good. Um, I did not think I liked it as much. I knew I liked it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I liked it this much. Yeah, it's solid. And I like that this movie has no kills besides the bird. Mm-hmm. Because you just get the full ride without having to worry about blood and gore if you're one of those people. It is a good, spooky movie. Yeah. And that's all I can really say without trying to without beating it in. You know, has some fun trivia stuff you can look at. I wonder if this movie has like a small little doc somewhere or something like that about oh. like the making of Poltergeist. And I'm sure there is, just it, probably out there. It might be like connected to like other yeah. spooky movies that have weird shit on set. I'm sure it came out like on a special edition DVD or something. Yeah, that'd be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but also I think I will not watch this movie till maybe like next year. Yeah, it's kind of once a year kind of movie. Yeah, like like this is definitely spooky season movie. Like this is not mm-hmm. like something I would be like, ooh, random night. I'm gonna watch a spooky movie. I would not pick this. No, because I feel like now you know we're in the midst of October now. I feel like yeah, it, you know now it fits. Definitely. Yeah, uh, I love this movie a lot. Uh, I remember this always being one of my favorite movies, and when I picked it to for this week's choice. I was a little concerned because I haven't seen this movie in years and I was concerned that it wasn't going to hold up as well. And I am pleasantly surprised to say that it holds up fantastically. Dude, Poltergeist is definitely one of those movies that is exactly what I think about when I think of a spooky October movie. It is a movie that I could watch with almost anyone. And I'm sure that they're going to enjoy it unless they're one of those people that get bored if there's no kills or gore or anything like that. But as far as just, like, a spooky vibe with a really cool story, nails it, dude. This movie gets an A-plus baby. And I definitely will watch this next year. And I kind of want to show it to, like, friends who have not seen it. Like, Ian, I wonder if he's ever seen Poltergeist. Doubt it. That I want to show it to him. Ian's one of those guys that's like, I kind of want to show him movies, 
but I also feel like he's gonna laugh a lot throughout the movie. <laughs> and I'm like, Ian, you're ruining this for me. <laughs> this is a funny part. Yeah, definitely. I think if I watch this next year, I'm gonna wanna watch two. Oh, yeah? Because, like, you know, like, I don't mind watching the same movies, mm-hmm. maybe, but, like, now it's like, I think I'm interested in watching two. I know yeah. the sequels aren't known to be good. Yeah. But, you know. I'm actually curious. I, I want to watch the other two um, sequels. And I want to watch the remake. I know it's bad, but I want to compare and contrast, like, how bad it actually is and, like, what the captain didn't keep. Of what I remember from the movie, it's, like, they keep a lot of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. So they don't, like, try anything, like, too new. Gotcha. But the things that they do try or, like, do the change, I do remember them not sticking well, you know? Yeah. It feels like they're just trying for the scares and mm. stuff like that, like, way too much overall for, like, the spooky vibe. You know, I always thought it was weird when they I, they announced that this remake was happening. They changed the family's name, so they're not, like, uh, like whatever family is this. Like, what is Sterling? Uh, Freeling. Freeling. They're not the Freeling family. They're a different family, but same characters and stuff. Yeah. And they added more characters <coughs> in the remake, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I do remember watching the trailer and, like, having some interest. Like, my interest was definitely peaked when I heard that there was a remake, but not enough for me to ever actually go out and seek this movie. Because I was always like, I just watched the original one. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I said, it, it's good. If if a, if a movie's really good, there's no need for, like, the remake anymore. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's crazy. It's like, I always wonder, why do remakes fail if they n- know the original movie and they see what works and what didn't work? In theory, the remake should be better. Because yeah, they it, have the technology now. Yeah, it's like you... It's like you're given a test and you bomb it. Yeah. But you know what's on the test now. Yeah. And you should take the time to study. You have the answer sheet in front of you. Yeah. And you know what works. And you know how like, this movie was critically liked. And it's like, how does this fail? Is it because there's no heart in it? Because it's like it's you're like copying a cash, someone? It's a cash grab or something? Yeah. I, I don't get it. It's yeah. like, if you're going through the effort to get the rights to this movie cast it remake it like you would think that's like they would do better i don't want like a um like frame by frame copy of the original movie yeah because if you're gonna do a remake you're trying to like change elements Mm -hmm. to make it more for the time Mm -hmm. and or like maybe you have a new spin on it or something Mm -hmm. like that's where like i don't know if you've seen the new chucky movie like yeah like, like the remake chucky yeah like that it took the premise of Chucky and it changed elements yes. to make it its own separate thing. Gotcha. You know? Yeah, I, I I didn't mind the Chucky uh, remake. No, like it was different. He wasn't a soulless killer. He mm-hmm. was like an AI rogue thing. Yeah. You know? Which we've seen before. But at least, you know, it's not just like complete remake. It just like rebuilt the structure Yes. And yeah. I feel like that's just what remakes need to do. Not saying the new Chucky movie was the bomb, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it didn't it wasn't like the worst thing I've ever seen. And there's always a argument to be had with that thought process, right? On remakes. Some people are like, 
you've ruined it. It's like, it's nothing like the original one, but it's like, do you want something that's exactly the same? At that point, why not just watch the original one, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. There's like a fine line between keeping similar elements where it's obvious that's based off the same story, but making it different enough where it's its own standalone movie. Because sometimes I watch movies and I'm like, that's awesome, but I wonder how it would feel if this director did it instead and have the same exact script and everything else, but just different vibes, you know? Yeah, I don't know. But, I don't know, we'll never get that answer, but uh, that was Poltergeist for next week, Nick. What are we going to watch? So we've been doing like an old, and then we did new, and we did old again, so I want to keep that going. Um, I pick Cabin in the Woods. Ooh, dude, Cabin in the Woods? Ah, man, that for sure has to be one of my favorites. Oh, good, because that's one of my favorites. Cabin in the Woods is like, I always say it's a Scooby-Doo adventure, uh, set in modern times, <laughs> and like higher stakes, because I, all the characters are just like, Scooby-Doo characters, essentially. Yeah. Um, I'll talk more about Kevin Woods, but I like it because uh, it almost feels like this is the explanation for every single horror movie ever. Oh, yeah. Which is an insane accomplishment mm-hmm. that they hit. Um, but yeah, I like this movie. It came out 2012, I believe. Whoa. Yeah. So I've, I haven't seen it in a while. So it's been 10 years since that movie came out. So I want to see if 10 years later, if it held up. I believe you will be pleasantly surprised. I think Cabin in the Woods is great. Yeah. Uh, what I love about it is you get a really early Chris Hemsworth before he was Thor and stuff. Yeah, yeah, man. I think I, I want to talk about the movie right now, but... I'll, I will wait until next week. I am so excited that you picked that movie. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, if you like what you heard, please rate and review us where you listen to your podcast. And until next time, this podcast is clean now. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>